Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible Sabrina Alexis. Hello, Sabrina, and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Today, we are going to talk about ghosting, red flags, and lasting love. But before we get into that, let's learn a little bit more about Sabrina. For those that don't know, Sabrina Alexis is a New York-based writer and co-founder of anewmode.com, a lifestyle site with a focus on dating and relationships. A graduate from Boston University with degrees in English and psychology, Sabrina's work has appeared on numerous leading websites such as Fox News, The Huffington Post, Your Tango, Elite Daily, You Beauty, Maxim, and Stylist. She runs a popular YouTube channel and is the author of such bestsellers as Everything You Need to Know If You Want Love That Lasts and 10 Things Every Woman Needs to Know About Men. How are you today, Sabrina? I'm doing well. As good as can be expected. It's some pretty crazy times right now. (laughs) (laughs) It is crazy times, and I really appreciate you coming on the show and taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm really amazed by the amount of content you have across your website, across your YouTube channel, books and ebooks, which is why I couldn't just stick to one topic for this podcast. (laughs) We had to do three. But I have to ask, do you think you'll ever run out of things to write about? Uh, It's funny. I think about that a lot. And I think the answer is no, because I have seriously been writing about some of these topics for 10 years now. And what happens is, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I write about why a guy doesn't text back or, you know, what to do if he won't call you his girlfriend. People are always going to read it and say, but my situation is different because of this caveat and because of this. And so they're always going to want to know, want to know more. There's always going to be more of a demand and to cover things from different angles. Also, I think a big part of it is that as I get older, I kind of refine the way I think about these topics and the way I talk about them. And I think that that just evolves as I get older, as I get more mature, as I just learn more about dating and relationships and as relationships in general change with the times and the way we relate to each other. So I feel like there are new ways to talk about the same topics and new insights that I can give. I wanted to ask you about that because since you've been writing about relationships for over 10 years now, I'm wondering what kind of shifts have you seen? What kind of changes have you seen in how people relate romantically, how people date? And also what kind of questions people are coming up with now that they weren't coming up with before? Um, They don't really relate anymore. (laughs) I think that that's been the biggest problem. It's that with so much technology, in some ways we're more connected than ever. In a lot of ways, we're more disconnected because Mm. there's so much less face-to-face. There's so much less talking on the phone. We text and we convey our emotions through emojis. So we Mm -hmm. are more digitally connected, but I think that that emotional component is harder for people to achieve. A lot of people Mm -hmm. are only having these surface level connections because everything is so surface level these days and people are afraid to be real and vulnerable and authentic. And so I think that 
that's what people struggle with is how to have a genuine connection. Some of our most popular articles on a new mode are just things like questions to ask a guy, how to strike up a conversation. And that's a recent thing. Those weren't popular topics when we started the website. We started in 2009 and it's only recently been a shift to that. And back then we were writing about things like what to do when a guy hasn't called you. Nowadays it's like who calls anymore? No one calls anybody. Right. <laughs> that's like not even that's like so obsolete. So I think that there is that shift to how can we form more meaningful connections. Mm -hmm. So let's just dive right into that. How do we form stronger connections when we don't call and we don't see face to face and when we're behind these screens? I mean, I don't want to come down hard on our generation, but with the advent of social media and Instagram and Facebook, we are more self-centered than ever before. And we kind mm -hmm. of are these this like generation of narcissists in a way. I mean, not not the bad kind of narcissist. There just is a level of narcissism because we're so self-focused. We're so focused on what am I putting mm -hmm. on my social media? What image? How many people are liking my pictures? How many people are commenting? So we think about ourselves so much in our experience. And that's what's preventing us. That's what's preventing people from forming these meaningful connections because you meet a guy and all you're thinking of, uh, and all you're really thinking about is how does he feel about me? And am I making the right impression? Am I showing him all these amazing sides of myself rather than shifting the focus to you? How do I feel about him? Do I like him? What's he all about? What's he interested in? What drives him? Mm. What are his goals? And that's, that's the, the discrepancy here is we're so focused on our own experiences that it's hard to, to really connect to another person. Also, there's an element of, of people just being really hurt in the past. I mean, I feel like we're going to get into this more later on, I'm sure. But with the ghosting and the people just kind of leaving relationships with, with no proper ending and no explanation, it causes you to be even more guarded in your next relationship because you're so scared of that happening again. And because it's become such a like a socially acceptable way of doing things. So I think people are guarded and also a little bit self-centered. And the combination of that mm. makes it really hard to form those genuine connections. Mm. So people are guarded, they've been hurt before, and they're also much more focused on themselves than the other person. Mm -hmm. And that translates into all sorts of conflicts in our relationship, including something like ghosting, which I do feel is a symptom of the lack of vulnerability that we often see in relationships mm -hmm. in order to talk openly and honestly about how you feel about somebody, there is some vulnerability that is required. So let's just talk about the definitions real quick. So what is ghosting? Ghosting is when you are dating someone. It could be casual, but I've also seen it happen from long-term relationships. And he breaks up with you by basically disappearing. So he doesn't give you a proper ending. He doesn't say, look, I don't think this is going to work out. You don't get a breakup call. You don't get a breakup text. You don't get a breakup tweet. He just disappears, vanishes from your life. So I actually remember reading a story in your book about a man mm -hmm. who you were not interested in. And you were like, oh my gosh, I really hope he ghosts me so I don't have to have the <laughs> difficult conversation with him. Yeah, <laughs> but those guys never ghost you. Those are never the ones to ghost. <laughs> Well, I'm wondering, would you say ghosting is 100% like a bad thing that we sh should all stop doing? <laughs> I can argue this from both sides. I really can. Because women, it's harder to ghost as a woman because in general, the guy is the one who's pursuing you. He's calling you if he likes you. So like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe some women do this, just completely ignore the guy. I mean, back when I was single and dating, my, my ghosting technique, if you will, was more just like, I would kind of be really cold and not that nice to the guy in the hopes that he would take a hint and, and like, mm -hmm. leave me alone. And that's not nice either. Like, n this, none of this is mature, nice behavior. I think that it's become accepted 
accepted, but I don't think it's nice. It comes from a place of not, of, for guys, it comes from a place of just not wanting to be the bad guy. So he mm -hmm. convinces himself that you're, that the girl is on the same page as him. He thinks, okay, clearly it's not a match. Clearly this is never going to work out. I'm sure she's on the same page as me. I don't need to call her and talk about this. That's just going to be so awkward. She's probably already moved on. There's nothing to say. And okay. So like, that's what he tells himself. He's not trying to be like a jerk. He's not trying to like torture this poor girl, even though that's what he's doing. Cause this poor girl is like, am I still in a relationship? Am I not? Like, where is he? Does he still like me? Is he dead in a ditch somewhere? Like what's going on? So I think that it is the nice thing to do is to have like a proper end to the relationship, at least to just, you know, tie up those loose ends. So the girl isn't left hanging because that's a terrible feeling. But mm -hmm. also at the same time, there is no way to get out of a relationship that's going to spare everyone's feelings. It's going to hurt no matter what. It hurts when a guy just disappears because you feel like, oh, did I just not mean it? Did I mean nothing to him? Like, did he never care about me? Was this relationship all a lie? It also hurts when a guy that you really like calls you and says, look, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not into it. Like that also hurts. So it, it's like, it's going to hurt no matter what. But in answer to your question, I do think <laughs> that the ghosting needs to stop. It's it's just not a nice thing to do to someone else. I totally agree with you that, you know, ghosting mm -hmm. is just not a good experience to feel. To just yeah. sit there wondering for days on end, like how this person is actually feeling. So let's go into, well, how might we want to tell somebody that we're no longer interested in them? And this came up for me when I was reading your book, because you did talk about kind of the wrong men to date or how a lot of mm -hmm. uh, women end up in toxic relationships, because essentially they chose the wrong person. And mm -hmm. you mentioned a lot of like red flags. And I'm like, okay, so if you do end a relationship because you notice all these red flags in this person, like, are you going to tell them these red flags? Or are you just going to give them like the one sentence text? How would you say is the best way to kind of, do you want to give constructive criticism to somebody that you're breaking up with? Do you want to give them the it's not you, it's me routine? What's the best way to gracefully exit a relationship? This is a tough one. This just reminds me of this guy that I dated. You know, we went out a few times. I really wasn't into it. And so like I texted him and was like, you know, look, I just don't think this is going to work out. And he just couldn't let it go. Like he needed a real answer for me. He was like, can you give me a list of all the things I did right and all the things that I did wrong? And I was like, are you nuts? And then he like kept pushing it and pushing it. So I was like, okay. So I gave him his list of things review. he did. <laughs> I know, I know. I need to leave a Yelp review of the relationship. So I gave him a list of things he did right. And then when I got to the things that like he did wrong, and not that he did anything wrong. I mean, sometimes it just isn't a match. But whatever, when I gave my reasons, he was just arguing with me about every point. I'm like, dude, like, you're not going to talk your way back into this relationship. Like, it's done. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think that certain things are hard to hear. And it kind of, I don't know, it's just you really need to be super emotionally mature if you are going to sit down with someone and let them give you a list of all the things that you know you did wrong and why they don't want to be with you and a lot of the times it's not like a oh well you're too loud you're too rude you're too this sometimes that's part of it but a lot of the time it's just i just don't see it or i just don't feel it i don't i can't even articulate what it is but something's missing and, and it's not like a satisfactory answer especially to most women like most women need something concrete and women are fixers and you know a woman wants to hear something and say okay now i could now you know i can take that and i can work with this and i can improve it so a lot of the times it's not something that you can fix. Sometimes it's just a fundamental lack of chemistry, lack of fundamental compatibility. So I don't know if you necessarily need to go over the list of red flags. I don't know if the person can necessarily hear it. It really just depends on who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with someone who is 
growth oriented and emotionally mature, I think that you can express those things. If you're dealing with someone who's not that way, they're just not going to hear it and they're just going to argue with you. I appreciate you bringing up the idea of being growth oriented and and open to Mm -hmm. feedback. And it sounds like this guy that you started giving the feedback that he he so desperately needed at the time just Mm -hmm. had nothing but resistance to to any sort of constructive criticism. Right, right. And it was just like the worst conversation ever. I was just like, get me out of here. This is torture. I should have just ghosted this guy. You know, like that's why people ghost. They they don't want to get sucked into these awkward, emotional draining intense breakup conversations you know it's interesting because you talk about everyone right now is a little bit more self-centered than like the generation before and social media i think even in your book you list selfishness as kind of a red flag or as kind of Mm -hmm. what not to look for uh in a man so let's talk first about some red flags that we might want to look for because i almost imagine ghosting in of itself is a red flag like if somebody does ghost you kind of dodged a bullet there because it represents a lack of we might say emotional maturity to have difficult conversations Mm -hmm. that are going to come up later on in a relationship so what are some other red flags we might want to look for at the beginning of a relationship it's funny i just posted a video on this on my youtube channel and i realized that i totally forgot the number one red flag of all i think i was like doing some of the like the other important red flags but i would say the number one is anger issues because anger issues signal much deeper issues so it's not just about seeing if he gets super angry at you you know when when you're in an argument or or something happens i mean see how he reacts if the waitress you know messes up his order at a restaurant if he just flies off the handle or if someone cuts him off in traffic like pay attention to those things because a guy who can't who just can't handle it when things just aren't perfectly how he wants them to be that's a major red flag it's a major signal of other issues another one i'm sure if you're reading my book i'm sure you've heard use the term damage case often that is my term for a guy who has a lot of potential but it's buried under a pile of issues maybe he has commitment issues emotional issues addiction issues now look i mean most people have something you know no one is just perfectly fully self-actualized fully whole and and just perfect everyone has something but it's a red flag if he's not dealing with his problems and it's a red flag if you see him as this guy who needs to be saved and you want to be his healer and you're just pouring everything into him and investing in him and he's not really in a position to give anything back to you so if he has problems, that's one thing, but like, what is he doing about it? Is he seeing a therapist? Is he taking his medication? Is he, you know, going to meetings? If he's an addict, is he dealing with whatever the issue is? The trap is that a lot of women fall into is they ignore this red flag and they just try to be his savior or his healer and love him back to life. Another big one is a guy who just can't take mm-hmm. responsibility. Everything is always your fault. He won't ever admit when he's wrong. He just, you know, if you have a problem, that's your problem. It's not his problem. Another really, really big red flag is um, he says he doesn't want a relationship right now. I mean, women never take this at face value. (laughs) They always just see this as like an opening offer that's up for negotiation. But one thing we say over and over on a new mode is when a guy says he doesn't want a relationship, believe him. Also, if he's married or if he's in a relationship, that's a big red flag. You don't want to deal with that. I don't care if he's like planning on getting divorced. If he's still tied to someone else, it's a big red flag. Mm. Oh, and another one is that all of his exes are crazy. That's another major red flag. If a guy says that <laughs> the reason he broke up with every one of his ex-girlfriends is because she was crazy, or if he just thinks women in general are crazy, his mom's crazy, his sister's crazy, you know, every woman he knows is crazy, that's also a major red flag. All right, we have so many things. So we have anger issues, huge red flag, number one biggest red flag of all, something you want to look out for, you know, in your first interactions. Being married, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) And saying one doesn't want to be in a relationship 
is also a good idea to not be in a relationship with that person. But women never take it like that, though. They just see it as like a challenge, you know? Oh, he said that. But once he sees how amazing I am, I'm going to get him to change his mind. <laughs> no, you prefaced your red flags with this idea that not everyone is perfect. So I'm yeah. sort of wondering, when is a red flag what I might think of like an orange or like a yellow flag, like a slow down and be cautious kind of flag? Because we all have past conditioning from our parents and from our relationships and none of us are are perfect so what are some misconceptions people might have in early on in a relationship that really aren't necessarily signaling doom for the end of the relationship yeah i really like that question and that's actually some i mean i've been asked many many questions over the years but i've never been asked that before so i think that's a really good question i think one yellow flag it could be that he doesn't treat you like a priority. Again, this really depends because it could be a red flag, could be a yellow flag. Sometimes a guy does truly like you and maybe he's not prioritizing you because you know he has other things going on in his life. Or maybe he just has gotten into a habit of taking you for granted a little bit. Um, maybe he doesn't realize that him you know, putting you on the back burner is having this effect on you. So I think that that can be helped by talking to him by really explaining to him how you feel and what your expectations and wants and needs are in the relationship. And if a guy really likes you, he will step up and he will fix that. Uh, I think that guys also just sometimes need clear directions on how to fulfill your needs. So you might feel like, okay, he seems like he's selfish. He seems like he doesn't prioritize me. But a lot of the times guys are just oblivious to what your experience of the relationship is. And you can't just like, place expectations on him. Yeah, it would be nice if he could just read your mind and give you exactly what it is you want. Because yeah, that's super romantic. It's not romantic to have to like remind a guy to do things for you. It's not romantic to have to be like, okay, you know, our anniversary is coming up. And and I, you know, it would be really it would make me feel really happy if you do something really nice and really special for me. You would you would rather he just remember the anniversary was coming up and plan something nice and romantic on his own. But sometimes you have to you can't set him up to fail. This is like, you know, being married, I've been married for a five years now and this is probably one of my biggest lessons that i've learned is like you can't set a man up to fail if you know he's the kind of guy who's gonna like forget things then you need to remind him otherwise you're just setting yourself up to get into a big fight so i think that it is like a yellow flag if like he's not you know maybe you might interpret it as he doesn't care or he's not putting you first but he might not see it that way so it's important to just not come from a place of anger or blaming or shaming or being accusatory just from a genuine place of okay i want to express how i feel and, and another like yellow flag i guess would be communication issues i think these can be addressed and solved but but here's the thing that the work comes from both sides if you have issues with a guy and he really wants to work on it, then it can be solved. Then that's something is a yellow flag. If you have issues and he just thinks it's your problem, then it's a red flag. You need someone who's fully in it and committed to making it work. I think that honestly, you know what, for all the red flags I listed, if you have a guy that genuinely wants the relationship to work and wants to work on it, then some most things can be solved, but you need someone who's willing to work with you. If he's not, if he thinks that like, you know, take him or leave him, he is the way he is, then that is, you know, you, you can't work with that. There's, you know, it, it takes two people to be in a relationship. You can't have one person carrying the team and doing all the work. No, absolutely. I appreciate that perspective, particularly like recognizing we're all imperfect and occasionally we forget things. Occasionally we say things that don't come out exactly the right way that we want to in a partner and it may mm -hmm. seem insensitive. It may seem like we don't care, but really, you know, we're trying our best. 
And that begins to tap into what we might even call green flags, like, go ahead, this Mm -hmm. is a person that you want to be with. And you mentioned one of the most important ones is that the person is willing to work on whatever issues Mm -hmm. do come up in their relationships. And you talked earlier about being growth oriented, which we could say is another green flag. So what are some Mm -hmm. other green flags that we want to look out for for men i would say it's really important that he is settled in his life meaning he's on a career path he wants to be in beyond he is settled emotionally he is just in a good place in his life he's not like directionless and has no idea what he wants out of his life because a man most men i'm not going to say it's true of every single man most men need to feel like they are pursuing their mission, that they are living a life that is meaningful and that's true to them, that they're having an impact on the world. And they need to feel like they are moving in that direction before they'll want to be in a relationship. Because if he doesn't feel that way, he's going to feel like a loser. And a man who feels like a loser doesn't want to be seen, especially not by a woman he really cares about. So if a, if mm-hmm. a guy, I mean, I guess this goes back to the damage cases that I talked about earlier. The damage cases are a mess. They're, they're a complete mess. They don't have a handle on their life. So it's really important to look for a guy that just is settled in his life. He is happy with the direction that things are moving in. It's important to look for emotional maturity, that he is kind of, you know, over sowing his wild oats and living that wild bachelor type of lifestyle. And above all, that he likes you and he shows you that he likes you and he is serious about you. And it's not confusing. He's not sending you these mixed signals that it's like, you're not confused about what kind of relationship you're in. It's just, it's clear and it's obvious and he's in it and he's committed to making it work. Those are like the most important things because you can't fall in love with potential. You can't be in a relationship with potential. And that's what (laughs) a lot of what trips a lot of women up is they see the potential of how good he could be, of how great the relationship could be. And they, they, you know, just feel so frustrated that he doesn't even want to try. You know, she sees how great it could be. How can she convince him to see how great it could be? And that's what they get stuck with and caught up in. You have to look at who he is right here and right now, not how great he could be as soon as X, Y, and Z happens. Mm, I love that phrase. You can't enter a relationship with potential. (laughs) Yes. You know, I love what you're saying because it's so simple, but also profound. Like you should enter into a relationship (laughs) with someone who likes you (laughs) and shows you that he likes you. The reason it gets confusing is because I think that men can like a woman just a little bit. And most women aren't like this. Most women, they find a guy they like and they are in. They are all in and they are in it. A guy can like you just a little bit. And that's why girls get confused because she meets this guy. She really likes him. And he is acting kind of like he likes her. But then, you know, some days he's all in. He's acting like her boyfriend. And the next day, like, he's nowhere to be found. She has no idea where this guy is. You know, she doesn't hear from him for days and days. And then he resurfaces and he's really nice and he's romantic and he's sweet. And it's like, that's how the cycle goes. And she doesn't get it. And it's because and she's like, does he like me? Does he not? The answer is somewhere in the middle. He likes her a little bit. He just doesn't like mm-hmm. her enough to want to be in a relationship with her. Well, it's interesting to hear you like mention, you know, a lot of women falling like head over heels with men who who basically like them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that can be sort of challenging and maybe even a little bit frustrating to not receive the love that you feel is you're, you know, you're so freely offering. And I'm wondering what that ties into with people's just expectations around entering into a relationship, because we are absolutely fed a sort of romantic narrative in every Mm -hmm. song and every romantic Mm -hmm. comedy about the man who sweeps us off our feet. 
So let's talk about those expectations. Are people coming into relationships with perhaps too high of expectations or perhaps even too low and they kind of settle with a man who really just doesn't give them the love that they need? Their expectations are way too high. People expect <laughs> love to heal them and erase all their past pain and love conquers all and love will find a way. But it, it's not true. If anything, love brings up all that is unloved within us and it forces you to face your demons. And love can't survive certain things. Love can't survive fundamental incompatibility. And chemistry is not enough. You cannot survive off of chemistry alone. People think that love is just this magic antidote for everything, but it's not. It's not going to heal you and take away all the pain from your past. It's not going to automatically make you happy. It's not just this finish line that you cross and then everything's great. Because in romantic movies, that's that's how it goes. There's this whole story and these plot twists and the characters are together, then they're apart, then they're back together. And it ends with like that last final kiss and them pledging their love right. to each other. They live and then that's happily all we ever after. Exactly. But like what comes after that? And that's what people don't take into consideration. I mean, all of us have just these cock views of love because of TV shows and because of movies and because of songs, but all of that is meant to entertain us. That is not meant to be a guidebook for how relationships are supposed to look and what they're supposed to feel like. It's not reality. If you want reality, watch a documentary. Do not watch a romantic comedy because that's not, that's not real life. I mean, you know, in real life, this goes back to what I was saying before about the damage cases. In the movies, you know, one stock figure you have is like the bad boy, the classic bad boy who just wants to be saved. And he's the guy that, you know, he can't commit and he has all these problems and he has all these issues. And what saves him is that that good girl, that pure girl who comes in and she inspires him and she loves him back to life. And then he snaps out of it. And then that bad boy is healed. And now he's like her knight in shining armor. And so I think that that expectation is is implanted into our minds and that is part of what feeds into women go you know going after these damaged cases going after these bad boys and wanting to be the woman that that saves him you know she wants to be the heroine in her own story and save him and heal him and love him back to life but that mm -hmm. rarely happens how these stories usually end is that the guy just doesn't change he just stays a mess and this girl has poured her whole heart and soul into him and has gotten nowhere she just ends up with a broken heart in the end or she does help him heal she does help him get over his damage, and then he leaves her for someone else. He does this mm. because now he has come to associate her with all of his problems and with all of you know the misery that he experienced when he was in his damage phase. And he doesn't want to be with someone who knows all about who knows about that. He wants to start with someone who's shiny and new. So that's usually how it goes. But you don't see that part in the movies. <laughs> yeah, it, remind, <laughs> it literally reminds me of Beauty and the Beast. Where like, you know, this, this guy's literally a beast, but then she says, oh, I see the good in him and yeah, I can change he, him. And then at the end, they live happily ever. <laughs> right. He kidnapped her and kept her in a dungeon and he's like a beast. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I see. I see his potential in there. <laughs> and so you're saying people enter into relationships the almost the exact same way is they ignore what you might call red flags or what you might just call i guess what you would call a damage case uh, yeah. in hopes that they can change them yes and i love what you said earlier too that love brings up all that is unloved within us mm -hmm. so let's talk more about that because it's, it is really profound and so first we have the situation where you kind of you meet somebody new and you notice certain things wrong about them and you re you turn into this savior who's going to save them and, and live happily ever after. But then you have the sort of opposite where you meet somebody and they bring up things within you that then you try to solve. 
So how do we sort of avoid like falling into this trap of, you know, having all these unconscious behaviors we're not aware of, past patterning that this person that we're meeting is bringing up? Because you do mention in, in your book that a lot of times we meet somebody and they're like, they're nice and they're kind of interesting and it's not fiery and passionate in the first date, but it's nice. But we don't necessarily like give that relationship a chance versus the person who just flips our whole world upside down. Right. So it takes a lot of self-awareness. And it definitely took me in my personal life a long time to get there. You have to recognize the place that you're coming from. And you really need to look at your patterns and relationships and why you keep entering into the same types of relationships over and over again. So one thing I see a lot is women going after guys. Like I always get asked, and this is just a classic question. Why is it the guys you want don't want you? guys don't want are the ones that do want you. It's because a lot of the times women will go after guys who don't like them as much. He doesn't like her as much as she likes him. And maybe it's because growing up, her father never made her feel like she was good enough. I'm just using an example here. And mm -hmm. that's how she grew up. You know, she never felt like she was good enough. Maybe her parents gave her a very conditional kind of love, not an unconditional kind of love. So she dates men who make her feel like she's not good enough because deep down she feels like, well, no one's really gonna love me. I'm never gonna be worthy of anyone. And the subconscious mind always wants to prove itself right. So if that's mm. how you feel about yourself deep down, then you are gonna be drawn to those kinds of relationships because it validates how you already feel. And even though it's validating a painful belief, there is a sense of relief in that of like, ah, see, I was right. This guy dumped me just like the other five before him dumped me. And it's just because I'm unworthy. But really, it's because she's going after the wrong kinds of guys. So that really takes self-awareness and reflection. It takes sitting down, looking at your patterns. And, and for me, I identify this just because I, I you know, made a career out of writing about my relationships. So it was like very clear to me to see like where I kept going wrong. Um, and I also had that problem of just going, I mean, I don't know, I'm like, I'm a fixer. And I guess I channeled that into a good thing by helping other people with their relationships. But I also want to save every damaged man from himself. And that's what I did for a long time. <laughs> Those were the guys that I went after. So it really took looking at my patterns and why, why do I keep doing this? What am I getting out of these situations? What are these guys giving to me? And the answer was nothing. Damaged, broken guys have nothing to give. You're the one doing all the giving. And it really takes working on yourself and building your self-esteem and building your sense of self. And this is going to look different for everyone because everyone is shaped by different experiences. But most of the time, and there's a great book on this. It's called Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks. And he talks a lot about this, how basically you are, everyone you date, you're just trying to rectify the pain from your past, from your childhood, from your relationship with your parents. You date the same kinds of people as a way to rectify the, that pain from the past, as a way to get the love that you didn't get in childhood. So maybe you mm -hmm. date guys who remind you of that difficult father, or it could be your, a difficult mother. It might not even be your parents. It could be that you had a really traumatic relationship with a guy and you date a bunch of other guys who remind you of him as a way to get it right this time. So it's really important to look at your patterns and where things are coming from. And why is it I'm so disgusted by the guys that seem to genuinely like me? Maybe it's because I don't genuinely like myself. Maybe I feel like there must be something wrong with somebody who really likes. It really comes down to just asking yourself those hard questions and getting to know yourself. And that's how you'll really get to know your subconscious mind and how she operates. That reminds me of something you said earlier about guys who say that all of their past girlfriends were crazy and how that mm -hmm. can be a red flag. And it's emblematic of how 
we have certain past conditioning that does bring us into the same relationship over and over again. And I almost find the flip side of that is with girls who might say something like, oh, guys, all guys are just jerks. Or, I, you know, I keep finding mm-hmm. jerks and entering into relationships with them. And it's like, well, is it true? Are all girls crazy and all are guys jerks? And it has to do with that, you know, unconscious patterning and, and unresolved mm-hmm. childhood wounds. So mm-hmm. I actually wouldn't mind if you told us a little bit about your personal experience, because you've mentioned quite a few times about how you used to be this person, you used to be the fixer, you tried to fix every single partner that you had. And now mm-hmm. uh, we know that you are very happily married and with children. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So how did that happen? How did you shift from uh, being almost controlled by unconscious patterning and past wounding and being the fixer to finding a, a, a man to love and support you? Um, wow, great question. I could, this could take a long time, so I'll give a very <laughs> abridged version of it. But yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I, I am a, a fixer. I'm someone who needs to understand everything about everything. And I'm very fascinated by human behavior. And I think all of that, you know, is channeled for good with my career and with what I do. And because of things in my past, I definitely was more drawn to like the broken guy like that. That was like my type, the guy that I wanted to fix. And I think deep down, it's because I felt a little bit broken. I felt like I had this, you know, a little bit of that darkness in me. And I think that I related to them on that level. And maybe they related to me on that level. But because they were so broken, it didn't go beyond that. We couldn't form um, a meaningful relationship. And then I was the one that always ended up like getting my heart broken. At the same time, Mm -hmm. there would be there were plenty. It's not just like I was this perpetual victim. There were tons of guys who were nice and wonderful and checked all the boxes who who really wanted me really liked me really wanted to date me. And I was just so turned off by them. I was like, Oh, no, like, I always found something wrong with all of those guys but it was like the emotionally unavailable ones that really drew me in and I you know I I had identified this as a pattern and I tried to fix it and it was like just when it seemed like I had it handled another damage case would come along and just like completely knock me sideways and the, the last one was this guy that I call Kevin the damage case who I talk about a lot and it was just a ridiculous relationship. And like at this point in my life, I knew better. I, I had already been, you know, really successful on a new mode. The site had been going on for years and I had written books and I was really helping people with their relationships. So this guy, everyone warned me about him. They're like, he's a commitment phobe. He dates everybody. No girl is good enough. And it was like that perked my little ears right up. And I was like, okay, I have to make him mine. And we went out on two dates and this guy, he didn't ghost me. He actually did call me to break up with me, which was a nice thing to do, but like, I didn't take it at face value. So like every few months we had a lot of mutual friends. We would run into each other and the chemistry would be electric and we would, you know, spend hours and hours talking and maybe make out. And, and I was like, uh, would get excited about the possibilities. And then it was like, he, he would just disappear. Like I wouldn't hear from him again. And then we'd run into each other again. The same thing wouldn't happen. And then it's like, I woke up one day after like one of our final encounters, because like this went on for like a year. And I'm like, what am I doing? I have spent Mm. almost a year like pining for this guy, moping over this guy, analyzing this guy. We went on two dates. We had nothing. This guy has given me nothing. What am I chasing here? I was just chasing like the validation of him wanting me back. I also think that I was just avoiding certain things within myself that I didn't want to deal with. And a great way to avoid yourself is to get lost in someone else's drama. And that's what it is with these damage cases. You get so lost in his drama. It also feeds into this sense of like purpose. Like your purpose is to fix 
fix him and to heal him. And that feels good. And once I recognize this, and these epiphanies didn't just come from me. I met this girl who is a relationship therapist and I met her through a friend and, would, and it was great knowing her because like she basically gave me like free therapy. And so I had all these realizations like through talking to her about it. And so then I realized what I was doing and I saw it for what it was. And I was able to channel it into a more meaningful direction. I was able to channel it into looking at myself and really understanding myself. And maybe I need to, you know, pursue something that gives me more of a sense of meaning in my life. And I was able to do that with my work. And I was really able to deconstruct the the pattern and why I was doing it. And once I did that, it was like, I did it over the course of the summer and I had the best summer of my life. I was traveling, I had great friends and my life was just better than it had ever been. Now I ran into my ex-boyfriend from high school, like coincidentally in Central Park. And I just happened to be in a really great place. And we started dating again. And I'd always wanted to date this guy again. Like we dated in high school over the course of 10 years, we would run in and out of each other's lives, but nothing ever came of it. And then it did. And, and I realized that I was healed. I had healed myself because it was clear that he really liked me and I really liked him. And that didn't scare me. It was the first time in my life I was in a mutual relationship, not one where I was chasing the guy, not one where the guy was chasing me, where we both really liked each other. And so that's, you know, how I was, I was able to finally have a healthy relationship for the first time in like my entire life, pretty much. So it was almost a wake up call. Yeah, that Kevin, the damage case was the biggest wake up call. I mean, I had a bunch of little wake up calls before him. But at that mm -hmm. point, I really like that whole thing really shook me to my core. And I realized like, I can't do this anymore. Okay, it was fine. It was cute. And like my teens, to my early 20s, but like, it's not cute anymore. I need to grow up. That's so important to rec you know, absolutely recognize the patterns that aren't that aren't serving us. And it's so mm -hmm. beautiful to hear your story of the sort of the promise and of a loving future that holds when we do break out of that unconscious patterning. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about the red flags, the yellow flags, the green flags, yeah. and we've yeah. also talked about how our unconscious patterning is going to put us in the same negative relationships and get in again. So we've undone mm -hmm. that. And now we're in a relationship with an amazing person. What do we want to do in that relationship to make sure that the love lasts? I think that it's important to have fundamental compatibility. So you need to be honest with yourself. You need to make sure you're compatible. Are you on the same page when it comes to religion or politics? If those are things that are important to you, do you share the same values? This is the objective part. No, most people don't want to use their heads. They want to use their hearts because we're told that's what we're supposed to use when it comes to love. So you need to be mm. fundamentally compatible. You need to have great chemistry. You need to be attracted to each other. You need to be, you know, have that spark. And both of you need to have a desire to make it work. If you have those three things, then you're good to go. Wow. Yeah, no, I just also want to add to that it is really important that both people are emotionally whole and fulfilled on their own before they come to the relationship. Because earlier we talked about misconceptions people have about love and relationships. And a big one is that they expect a relationship to heal them. You know, you complete me. That's what they're waiting for, the person to complete them. But you need to come into the relationship already complete. You can't come in you know, hoping the other person's going to fill some emotional void within you because they can't, only you can do that. A relationship can enhance your happiness. It can enhance your sense of self, your self-esteem, but it cannot be your happiness and your sense of self and your self-esteem. So it's really important for people to already have a, a solid foundation before they get into a relationship. Mm, absolutely. Be emotionally whole and fulfilled before you're mm -hmm. entering a relationship so you don't look for somebody to complete you. 
Yeah, it's funny, like before I started dating my husband, I remember I used to say this to people like out loud, I would say, you know, I feel like I am fully self-actualized. I have come as far as I can possibly go as a single person. Any more growth I'm gonna do is gonna come from a relationship. And like I told you, love brings up all that is unloved within us. And so that definitely happened. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't wanna give the impression that, oh, me and my husband, yeah, we started dating and then we lived happily ever after. No, a relationship takes work. A relationship brings up things on both sides. But um, I, I really had gotten to the place where I was like, okay, I'm not gonna grow anymore as a single person. Like I, I've done all the growing. I'm happy. I'm confident. I feel great. Mm. Um, so now mm -hmm. I need to be in a relationship to tear it all down and rebuild it again. <laughs> and that's kind of what my question was around the damage cases that you describe mm -hmm. in your book, because I realize, you know, your book and your writings are very much catered towards women. But I do highly recommend for men to also gaze into this wisdom, because first, it does mm -hmm. provide really awesome insight into the world of how women sort of enter into relationships. But also, there's just awesome advice for anyone in a relationship Thank to you. take home with them. But when I do read about about the red flags and about to avoid the damage cases and avoid the bad boys, I am wondering, what do you recommend for these quote-unquote damage cases? Because it seems so cruel to be like, oh, don't date these people. They're not going to be in a lasting relationship. Are you prescribing a, a life of loneliness and destitution no! for these men? What would of you recommend? <laughs> we oh, we want to heal the damage cases. The damage cases need to heal their damage. I mean, oh, pretty much all the damage cases that I've dated are still single. I mean, they're still mm. doing the same things that they were doing all those years ago. Mm -hmm. And none of them are in therapy, or at least they weren't when I was when I was involved with any of them. Like if a guy has serious commitment issues maybe there could be a variety of reasons for that you know everyone goes through something in life deal with it you can't just take that damage and damage other people with it you know and that's what mm -hmm. ends up happening that's how the cycle continues so yeah for the damage cases the guys who can't commit no don't be lonely but but recognize the the place where you're at i mean one of the damage cases i dated told me that he only dated girls that he knew it would never work out with. Like he would date girls who were <laughs> a different religion because he knew he needed to marry somebody that was his religion. So it was like he mm. was sabotaging the relationship from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So that's a big problem. <laughs> and it's not really fair to do to like these girls who are getting into these relationships with him. So I think, I mean, this is important for, for the girls. This is important for the guys. It's important for the damage case guys. It's always important to recognize where your weak spots are and to mm. um, work on them. I mean, maybe it comes through listening to a good podcast maybe it comes from working with a really good therapist it's going to take something different for everyone mm -hmm. and i'm all for therapy i mean therapy has helped me immensely and i never thought i was someone who needed therapy because i'm like oh i help others i'm insightful i'm aware you know i can solve my own problems but seeing like somebody who is objective and ha who who is just there to listen to you you know it's not the same as like sharing with your friends because your friends you know they have their own stuff going on and friendship is is give and take a therapist is just there to listen to your problems it is all about you for that one hour that you are talking to that person and that can be mm -hmm. a really helpful thing I, it was definitely helpful for me so i am a big big proponent of therapy i'm a proponent of therapy too and it can also just help people in relationships i find mm -hmm. because then you're not 100 percent reliant on your partner to listen to all of the emotions that you have inside of you, but you have a paid professional who's good at it. And then for that hour a week, like you're able to release and work through so much that you don't have to mm -hmm. rely on your partner for everything. Exactly. 
Wow, it's amazing listening to you, Sabrina. I feel like it's just like drinking through a fire hose right now. Like you have so much to say, and it's it's clearly <laughs> just why you just have so many articles and writings out there because you have so much insight and wisdom. Thank and I you. can listen to you talk talk, talk all day. Um, <laughs> Thank unfortunately, you. we are uh, running a little bit low on time. So I mm-hmm. wanted to ask you what I love to ask all of my guests, which is quite mm-hmm. simply, what do you wish everyone knew about love? What I wish everyone knew about love is that it is so important to love yourself before you can accept love from others. Because if you can't even love yourself, you won't ever truly believe that someone else can love you. You won't ever trust it. So that is the most important thing. The most important thing, maybe as cheesy as it sounds, is you have to work on the relationship with yourself before you can be Mm. in a relationship with someone else. Like healthy self-esteem is a prerequisite in order to being in a healthy relationship. Mm. And that's the part that most people don't realize. They make it all about the guy and trying to make it work. And they think that as soon as they get that love, as soon as they get that commitment, as soon as they get that ring, everything will be perfect. But that's not how it goes. You have to work on yourself first, first and foremost. Hmm. So I'll add one small follow-up question, which is because, you know, we often hear this idea to love ourselves. But Mm -hmm. what does that look like, would you say? So self-esteem comes from doing esteemable things. It really is so much about pursuing your passions, that thing that you feel connected to and that makes you feel alive. For me, it's it's writing. I mean, that makes me feel like connected to my essence. It makes me feel like this is what I was put in this world to do. So when you find that thing, it could be, I don't know, a painting or it could be volunteer work. It could be working with children. It could be cooking. Just something that makes you feel alive and doing that thing mm-hmm. a lot that is like the most important component in building self-love and self-esteem and it's also recognizing your thought patterns recognizing the way you talk to yourself and changing that most people don't realize that we have so much control over our minds we've more we let our minds control us we let our minds tell us who we are when really if you have a thought you know like oh i'm no good i'm never going to get what i want in life i'm just going to be alone forever you can actively replace that with a different thought you can actively replace that with no i have a lot going for me i'm a great person and i will find love i will Hmm. you know Mm -hmm. find the right person for me maybe you don't genuinely believe that but if you if you tell that to yourself enough times it will become wired in and that's how you undo that faulty wiring it's really important to just watch the way you talk to yourself another thing is just Fake it till you make it. This is something that I used to do when I was younger. It's a little exercise I came up with. But I would just ask myself, what would a confident person do in this situation? Like if a guy Mm. isn't texting back, would a confident person think, oh, it's because I'm not good enough and he found someone else because of course he did because I'm never going to be able to keep a guy and would she mope and analyze and obsess over it? No, she would just think, oh, he probably didn't text me back because he got busy. Or, you know, if he lost interest, then fine, whatever. Not everyone's a match. Okay, moving on. Like, that's how a confident person would react. So when you ask yourself that question, you already, like, know the answer. So if you just start acting the part, it just becomes wired in and it becomes a part of you. Mm, So true. It's attractive, right? When you meet Mm -hmm. somebody or when you're with your partner and you're just seeing them pursue their passions and follow their hearts and, and do the things that really make them happy. Yeah, it's a very attractive energy to be around. And people love being around someone who is inspired because it inspires us. It's inspiring. People don't love being around (laughs) needy people who are stressed and anxious and on edge. And if you are just placing your entire sense of worth on your relationship, then that's how you're going to come across. That's how it's going to feel to him. It's going to feel stressful. It's not going to feel good to be around you. (laughs) 
I love it. It's just so it's so simple and so profound. Inspiring yeah. people are inspiring. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and enter into a relationship with somebody who loves and respects you and is willing to grow and change. Yeah. Another one is like a lot of girls ask, well, how do I keep a guy's interest? And the answer, be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know you know it's a, not much deeper than that. If you're an interesting person, he's going to be interest. He's going to maintain interest in you. It's only when you fake it, when you fake being an interesting person, then that mm -hmm. becomes harder. Then it's harder for a guy to like maintain an attraction and interest in you. It's so true. It's so simple, but it's also just a lovely reminder. Yeah, also. yeah. I mean, look, I need to remind myself of the things that I talk about sometimes. Like just because something's you know common sense doesn't mean that you're able to apply that logic when your emotions are all fired up because it's hard to see clearly through that, you know, through the fog of emotions. And when your heart wants something so badly, you can delude yourself into thinking that it's something that it's not. That's why, you know, that's what keeps me in business. <laughs> People just need to hear the, the practicalities and the common sense. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much, Sabrina, for Thank coming on to the show, for sharing your wisdom. You're just an, a wellspring of, <laughs> Thank of insight you. and wisdom about love and relationships. A newmode.com is your website. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any other links or ideas or things you want people to know about? Uh, sure. I mean, check out our YouTube channel, A New Mode. Follow me on Instagram at A New Mode. We also have an amazing newsletter. It's written by me and my co-founder of A New Mode, Eric Charles. He's super insightful. Also, I mean, has so much to say. So it's just cool to have you know, male perspective, female perspective. So you can sign up for that at anewmode.com slash subscribe. Wonderful. Thank you again, Sabrina, for coming on to the show. And thank you, listeners, for listening. We hope you realize the love that is everywhere and the love that you have for yourself. You can fill up your own cup, your own esteem in order for it to overflow to the people around you, including your partners. And we also hope you undo the past conditioning that is not bringing you into relationships that fully serve your highest growth and healing and if you want to learn more about me you can go to zachbeach.com and learn more about the podcast at theheartcenter.com thanks again and we hope you enjoyed the show thanks again for listening to the learn to love podcast to learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.